Shades and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual talking with shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D. Please stop yelling. Very, very hungover, Marcus D. I am not hung (laughs) over. I'm just very sensitive to sound this morning more than usual. It's New Year's Day for us. And last night was my New Year's party, and someone got sauced. I'm not sauced. Oh my, oh my, that hurts so bad. Oh, I hit the thing. Oh, man. You are a mess. You are a mess today, man. Well, you were like, let's record early this morning. Let's go out for coffee. So, <laughs> oh my God. All right. So, this uh, we're here today, guys. We are, oh, big shout out to our newest patron, Avis Rex. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you so much. And we enjoy your art, man. Keep it coming, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's been sharing his awesome artwork, which we posted on our social media, and he's been sharing it with us in the Discord. So big hearts to you, Avis Rex. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. We always love seeing it. <laughs> Fun fact, too. Uh, on our last episode, and give us even more credit to Avis Rex, our last episode where we talked about the Snallygaster. Awesome episode. I had so it much was. fun with that topic. Uh, Avis sent us some, uh, some artwork, and we posted it. And it was liked by the Snallygaster Museum Ooh. in Maryland. So, big props to him for getting their attention. So, awesome on that. Uh, if you didn't check out our episode on the Snallygaster, it's super awesome. It's this really cool, chimeric, flying avian monstrosity that comes that comes to us from Maryland. Uh, I am Sfeel in the episode said, dang it, I messed up the name again. Or messed up the names again. And yes, my favorite animals are in fact seals. So I chose yeah. a seal-based Pokemon as my YouTube channel, and I do love Sfeel, and knowing Vic loves Sfeel too is awesome. And to answer some of your Pokemon questions, the official count for Pokemon minus forms is 898. I really thought it'd be higher by now. Yeah, as far as that's I, still very cool. As far as I know, there isn't a Snallygaster at Shame too, but maybe uh, as soon as some of the new games come out, one to two years, and I'd prob it probably would be a Ghost Dragon. I could see Ghost Dragon. That is actually a fun combination. <laughs> But I want to double back to one thing before we keep going. What? Last night, you are skipping out on one of the details. On what? Every time we have a party, Marcus basically drags me into a drinking contest. Even if that's not a thing. Marcus always drags me into these drinking contests. I'm trying to make you the best like no one ever was. (laughs) And you have to have a rifle in all things. And unfortunately for us, apparently it's drinking. How many times have you won in the, how long have we known each other? In my mind, every time. I'm pretty sure you haven't <laughs> won once. I'm pretty sure by the end of the night, with how I remember most things, I'm always winning these drinking contests. You are having fun, so in that way, yes, you are winning, but in no other way are you. Mm-hmm. You're just lucky I didn't pee in your bathtub. I am lucky you did not pee That's in my like, bathtub. Don't pee in my damn bathtub. So everybody like uh, has this weird, like, how do you know when you're too drunk? And mine, honestly, is like, how reasonable do I believe it to be to pee in the bathtub? Oh God, just don't pee in my bathtub. Oh, I didn't last night. That's how I know I wasn't drunk and you were too drunk. I, wait, how was I too drunk? Okay, go, go. I Keep was, going. I was going rational. Comments. You're Sorry. just being irrational here. I'm not a lightweight. I just weigh less you're than a, you're a lightweight. I, I just weigh less than you. <laughs> that is what that is. Um, Amos tracks the Dark Phoenix says, Jabberwock, yes, I love Alice in Wonderland. Me too. Yeah. Uh, also, given Snally is a sort of draconic looking thing in some of his depictions, glad my suggestion in the last video was heard. Take a break. Take a break for Marcus on the birds. It was part of, <laughs> it was part of, uh, it was part of the North American dragons part of a picture I sent you guys before. The tentacles could be wattles on the strange bird. Oh, it really could be. And the I eye could be a that. weird display, like how orcas have their eye patch. Neat. I, I'm curious about the Discord if our patron thing. Oh, I already explained that to you. Uh, for I said if the patron expires, uh, will we get booted from the Discord? And I told him, uh, I don't know if we would be able to keep track. So, <laughs> short answer. The answer is no. Um, I don't think we would be able to keep track of everybody. So. But no, man, we appreciate the we appreciate the artwork that we appreciate the artwork that you send us, man. We always appreciate all the the support that you give us. Uh, Dreadnought Fiend, it's a 
Mm, I wonder if that is also a 40k reference said uh, as a DM for a D&D game and a writer for who is making a setting guide. Thanks for the idea of a creature that has a predatory egg, like has a pseudo ooze form for its egg phase and absorbs and eats prey, incorporating their genes into its form. I might also have to do that. Like I, I love running D&D games. I mean, kind of our forever DM, like Marcus runs some stuff too, but I'm kind of the block standard yes but i think i'm also going to roll that in i also found a snallygaster stat block that was really cool with a little um like story attached to it as well mm, what would you name an egg that's a predatory egg like that oh goodness uh egg fiend egg fiend i like that's a good one izzy 28 said they added they added the snallygaster in fallout 76 looks like a lizard mixed with a chicken in it they added quite a few cryptids in Fallout 76. You know, I never played Fallout 76. I never played it either. I heard bad things, so I did not really yeah, give it I much better, of a chance. I love the original Fallout games. I think some of the Fallout games are awesome. But I never did play Fallout 76. Um, so, with the one eye thing, what if it has some insect eyes? Like, where if it's looking... Oh, this was recognized soup, by the way. I apologize. I didn't say that. So, uh, what if the one, the eye thing is that it's like insect eyes, where it looks like a single eye, but it's actually a cluster of very small eyes. A compound eye. I did not really consider that now that I think about it. You know, because, I mean, you talk about things that jump down onto things, you know, uh, you know, spiders are incredibly adept at, you know, with, like, depth perception for one of the things that they did. So, maybe something like that might be... There are arthropods that have eyes in their forehead, but I think they also have eyes on the side as well. Like, I believe some spiders, when they have their cluster of eyes, will have a central eye in the middle of the head. Mm -hmm. But then they usually have a scattering of eyes around it. There might be insects and arthropods that have single eyes. and I just might not be aware of it. Mm -hmm. Laughing Fox, patron said. I'm going to have to start uh, really being bad because I both have a window I don't like. And I would love to see Vic dressed up as Krampus, <laughs> even if I'm going to get shoved in a sack and beaten. Maybe we'll start. Uh, maybe we'll get steak and a shake after afterwards. I'm coming for you, laughing fox. Also, and yes, that sounds awesome for afterwards. Also, elephant trunks are technically considered tentacles. And interesting aside, males have two. Look it up if you dare. I might. You're making me a little scared to look this up. I I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen to me when I look like, this up? Are you what? referencing the male appendage? I don't know. What, I don't know if that's what he's talking about. He might be the penis, the male reproductive organ. But is it technically a second trunk? Uh, well, I think it. I, I. I don't. You know. I. I'm not the one that's like the super biology expert on this, I, so I don't know, know. I don't know if they have opposable. Elephants you know, are elephant not wings. something that's ever like super interested me, so I, I'm a little shy on the research on it. I might have to look into this. I might be traumatized. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. I'll tell you guys on the Discord how it goes. But as to the odd life cycle and prolonged incubation, if there can only be one, perhaps they don't take 20 years to hatch, but rather it's a 20-year-long battle royale between clutchmates until one has taken the other heads and with it their power. That would be that would be awesome, and I like that they function off Highlander rules. So it's kind of so it's kind of like sharks in a sense. So it's kind of like sharks in a sense where only one comes out and they all eat each other on the inside. That is horrifying. The shady political history involving uh, involving it is particularly interesting. Taking a local cryptid and making it into a boogeyman is an interesting method of oppression. Uh, but my thoughts are that this thing is just too inconsistent in tone and description with far too many outlandish and unsubstantiated characteristics for it to be a credible cryptid. For a 20-year cycle, it's really nice coincides with new generations hitting their teens and early 20s and reviving a, ta uh, a tall tale to make it their own. I, I could see that being true. As much as I want to think the Snallygaster is out there causing trouble and waiting for me to find it, maybe catch it with my Pokeball or something, it is one of the ones that I'd consider a little less likely to be mm -hmm. real. Kyle um, Andrevine said, a uh, patron said, there are two ghost dragon types, Garathena and Dragapult. Man, we're getting, do you remember it went back in our day when there was only 150 Pokemon and now i got to keep track of like a 898? Dude, Ellie's obsessed with Pokemon. Every time that a new Pokemon game comes out, we both have to get it, and I can't get past her. I have to wait for her to yeah. get to a gym before I can even challenge it. Me too. Like, every time a new game comes out, I have, I, right now I have uh, uh, Shining Pearl and Brilliance, or, uh, Brilliant Diamond. I'm playing them both right now. So, mm. Jay the Phoenix, patron, said, 
If they are a thing, I think the Jersey Devil and the Stanley Gaster are the same creature. Uh, when Thank you, just, you. I think so, too. When you described it, when you described it, my mind immediately jumped to Jersey Devil. Here's a thought. Could the tentacles possibly be a prey item like a snake that people were seeing? Oh, goodness. Uh, there's been other lore creatures where people had believed that that's what they were actually seeing. Like some of the um, like stories of birds with uh, lizard-like tails and stuff that appear in ancient bestiaries. So I would say it's possible, especially if... Um, it heavily shreds its prey before trying to carry it, which would make sense. Like, um, say if it's trying to get rid of the internal organs because it's not that or that nutritious, and it wants mainly the muscle and stuff. It might shred the stomach to get rid of the organs, so it's lighter for it to carry when it flies, and that might give a look of tentacles because this, the flesh remaining is so shredded. So well, possibly. Well, I mean, what if this thing comes from a reality which is a little bit more warped, and that's why you're seeing? I mean, what if it can change its form, and that's why you're seeing some of it sometimes with tentacles, and other times when it's not because it's going in and out of our our reality. I mean, possibly viable, but the problem is when you're talking about like an alternate reality, everything's on the table. Mm -hmm. Like we we can't really we don't have a litmus for what's not possible <laughs> in a world with different like rules of physics and things like that. I'm kind of like on board with like the lady from the Stanley Gaster Museum where she's talking about like she likes it with this weird Cthulhu tentacly sort of too. sort of mentality. It gives it a much more cooler vibe. And definitely something that I would want to face in a D and D game, by the way. Just you know, hint hint Vic, hint hint. <laughs> I will I will add a Stanley Gaster to a game at some point. Yeah. So, also, guys, uh, since uh, since uh, our last episode, we had a guest on. We didn't cover both. Uh, we didn't cover the comments from uh, our last episode either. Oh, double comment! Yeah, day. double comment day. Uh, in our last episode that we did, we had uh, our episode was called "Understand uh, Understanding Bigfoot," where we were invited, uh, where we were joined by Daniel Benoit from the East Coast Bigfoot Researchers Organization. Can we go ahead and get into alcohol? I know you're oh, not yeah, drinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I want to. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into alcohol today. Today, I am drinking coffee. <laughs> that is... What the heck was that? That was my computer. That was... I am drinking... That was you are a mess today. Well, no. We have something We have something queued up for later, so that's the reason why I have it up. <laughs> I'm drinking Strawberry Cider Boys. Uh, I, I can't do no hair of the dog. <laughs> I bet you. I got bit too hard. Oh, man. That is good. Yeah. But uh, we had Daniel Benoit on, who's a phenomenal guest, and we got to talk with him and ask some of the most weirdest questions <laughs> when it comes to Bigfoot, and that's why you guys come to us. So if you have not checked that episode, I highly go, because we ask questions like, can Bigfoot see in color? Can Bigfoot recognize uh, calorie-dense food? Can Bigfoot lift boulders with his brain? I don't think we actually asked that one, but I no, should have. we asked, can Bigfoot fight a grizzly, like, oh, can yeah, Bigfoot bite a bear? Grizzly versus Bigfoot. Yeah, so if you want the real questions that you that you know the tough questions about Bigfoot, go watch that episode because it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. So, um, Daniel Benoit said, "Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me on, guys. I really enjoyed this. Had a blast with you, man. We'll probably do it again sometime. Our pleasure." Um, Gold Cell Radio said, "Another good one, fellas. Happy for you guys getting to speak at the convention. Sounds like a good time." Yeah, if you guys haven't heard, uh, if you guys didn't listen to that episode, uh, Daniel invited us to be guest speakers at the Jan or June 18th, 2022 Virginia Bigfoot Convention. Pretty pumped for it. We're going to make a road trip. We're going to do a lot of stops and record what we do like yes. on our journey there and back. Well, we're going to, and we're also, while we're there at the convention, we're going to be talking about how to debate with skeptics about Bigfoot. Yup. If you've ever felt alone when you're talking with uh, skeptics, we're going to teach you how to be prepared. So SD guy 2020 said, nice episode. And cool y'all got to speak at the convention. Might go when the day gets closer. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you. Thank you very much. Tom Flesh said, fun episode, fellas. I was curious if there are many situations in the paranormal where creatures or entities actually encounter or interact with each other. Like when there's a story of a woman's tulpa was attacked by shadow people. <clears throat> oh, I can't believe you remember that one. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. There aren't a lot of them. I have run across some things here and there. But they're kind of few and far between, which I think makes sense because you're talking about a rarely seen creature also running into a rarely seen creature. So it's just kind of statistically unlikely. Yeah, so it's kind of like when you ask yourself those questions. Like it's, like, it's like the people on the Serial Killer podcast, the True Crime podcast, like... What would happen if John Wayne, Ga like John Wayne Gacy and Hannibal Lecter like actually ran into each other? Who would win? It's like, you know... Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. Oh, yeah. Hannibal Lecter would totally kill him. Like, so easy. But it's like, it's it's a rare in, an individual running into another rare individual. But 
That might be a cool... If we can find enough stuff on it, this would be a cool topic th- for a month. I think I think that it would be, too. I'm trying to think of other episodes. Like, I know... I mean, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of, like, other examples in which fights have happened between supernatural creatures. We're going to need to dig yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. We're going we're gonna to come back. We're going to put a pin in this, and we're going to come back to this, because this sounds like a really good concept. Because I, I bet that there are. So... Uh, Whiskey Conspiracy said Vic's vodka cocktail should have been called the pile driver. <laughs> Last night we made root beer floats with vodka and it was mm-hmm. awesome. Everyone drink root beer floats with vodka. It was really weird too. I had, uh, what was it, that that white cake or the, the cake vodka and I mixed it with uh, Coke Zero. And I swear it tasted like chocolate cake. No <laughs> bite. It was the craziest drink that I've ever had in my life because it should have been disgusting and it really wasn't. I was totally shocked. Um. I tried to hurt uh, Avis Rex, the Dark Phoenix said, I tried our Hershey's chocolate porter and it was the only beer I wanted to try and it disappointed me greatly. I'm I don't more like chocolate r- porters that much. Yeah, I'm a more of a rum and wine person. I don't like chocolate. Yeah. I don't like chocolate and alcohol. I really I never I never really have. I'm chocolate wine's not a big fan. That rum and wine is freaking both of those are freaking awesome. If you can get it, try Purple Toad. It's one of my favorite like wine producers. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Hellhound says, I wonder how Vic and Marcus look look like. Awesome. Picture Beavis and Butthead, <laughs> um, but more like modern and haggard looking. <laughs> and if they got really into the paranormal. I look really awesome, and then Marcus looks a little, eh. 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 You look like if someone ordered Hagrid from Wish. Harry Potter, <laughs> the secret of the meth lab. Don't get me... Actually, if you really want to know what we look like, um, I get mistaken for Post Malone way too often. Like, people will sometimes ask me if I'm Post Malone, and I didn't know who this person was. I don't have face tattoos or anything, but a lot of people seem to think we look alike. Yeah, as long as I don't shave, I kind of look like Michael Sarah, like the guy from Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, yeah. A little, a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I'm seeing it now. <laughs> like, as a, I guess that could be a, a, like a, a good comparison, as long as I shave. <laughs> Uh, you know, and then and then that's kind of what it looks like. All right. Oh, I thought I had the patron post, uh, patron stuff pulled up. One moment. I don't know that I did. Okay. Uh, patron questions from Understand with Bigfoot. Understand Bigfoot. Dan Ward says, "Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays." Merry Thank Christmas, you. Dan. Happy Holidays. Clown ninety two said, "Dude, a double creamy sounds delicious." I think I'd like that. Mm-hmm. Jose has a good question, and I'm going to get a follow-up on this. He says, wondering what Mr. Benoit thinks about the Bigfoot descriptions of the three-toed and the five-toed Bigfoot, <laughs> as well as the rock apes from uh, episode 20th, featuring that's Mr. Charles. Yeah. That's something that we were going to ask him about, and we forgot to ask him. We're going to have to bring him back to ask him that question. Next time we have him on, we are all over that. Yeah, probably. Well, that'd, be a good, that'd be a good thing to ask. You know, I, I think we sort of got in. I, I, th- I thought a little bit. Did we get into no 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 we didn't because I thought I was going to ask him like about why some of them act no we did I think that we one of the questions that I sent him to ask him was about why are some of them more violent than others that was one of the questions that I sent that so but we didn't get a chance to ask him because the episode ran too long so but, but it was fun kind of like today's comment section <laughs> sorry That's guys fine. we're we're going a little long well today. we had two episodes that way to cover so hope you guys enjoy that but we're but we have a fun episode so the 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 very last episode uh. Of December, I know we're recording it on January 1st, but that's fine. It happens. It yeah. happens. Holidays. Where we're wrapping up our talk on, like, avians and all that and birds and all that. As we thought, we would bring a conspiracy to you guys. We ran this past our, pay- our patrons. I am so mad that we're doing this. I, so you know well, I'm I got mad. madder the more that I looked into it, too. But our patrons thought this was a phenomenal idea, and we thought that we would cover a conspiracy. Uh, more specifically, the conspiracy are uh, that birds aren't real. Just so you guys know, we're starting a tradition right here, right now, where our New Year's episode is a little more silly than our normal stuff yes. is. And we're we're going to be discussing the idea that birds are not real. Yes, that bird that birds are not that birds are not real. That they are just drones that the government uses to spy on us. It's so if you if you've never heard of this conspiracy, it's. It's 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 definitely it's definitely a conspiracy that is uh, that's that's one of the most unusual that I've ever come that it I've ever come weird. across. So uh, a little bit of background on this particular conspiracy. So this conspiracy started 
uh, January 21st, 2017. And there was a gentleman by the name of Peter McIndo, who's a 23-year-old college student at the time, uh, was in was in Memphis whenever he was uh, in Memphis and he was watching a protest going on and he was watching a march for of Donald Trump pro- uh, Donald Trump supporters and Donald Trump like protesters that were that were marching together that were marching against each other protesting against each other and what, what Peter did was he decided that he was going to pick up a sign turn it over and wrote on it birds aren't real and started walking down the street chanting birds aren't real and immediately started this whole conspiracy that birds aren't real that they were a mat that they were that the government wiped out the birds in the between the 50s and the 70s and replaced them all with with drones to spy on american citizens so there's not really a credible initial source for this conspiracy well for how it's real as it being real no no, so as far as the story goes, he was the one that claims that he started it. There's videos. There's videos of him actually at this protest, walking around, screaming that birds aren't real. And for a very long time, Peter held and stuck to his guns, saying that that he genuinely believed this conspiracy that it was real. It was only relatively recently that he actually came out saying that he didn't think that this conspiracy was real and that it was just more or less an inside joke amongst him and, and most of his supporters. So for several years, this guy had actually had propagated this whole conspiracy. And it was funny. Like he, he leaned heavily into it too. Like, did you know that mountains have been hollowed out? I've heard this theory in yeah. other things. Yeah. That the mount that he, he wrote, he, he made this like professional video where he was talking about how the mountain mountain rangers in America were hollowed out by the government. And that's where the bird drone factories are made. That's a big factory. Mountain for you. <laughs> Where? Well, well, how many birds do you think there are? Like in the like Lots, in the tons, world? Tons. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I want to start out this thing if we're ready to start. Sure, sure, it. yeah. Okay, first, I think the first thing we need to tackle is: is this something that we could even do? Could we make a realistic bird drone? And it's something I started to look into because I know, like, the science behind feathers is surprisingly complicated and lift and how birds fly and the full-on mechanics, but. Something I came across was the smart bird. Are you familiar with the smart bird? I'm familiar with some of these smart dogs. Not the birds, but the, but the dogs. But no, a smart bird is a a little drone thing made by a, a German company named Festo. It's a robotics company, and mm-hmm. they made a surprisingly good bird drone. It doesn't have the legs and stuff like that, and it doesn't have the articulation to like stand and stuff. But when you watch it fly, and it does fly with these synthetic feather-like things, it's not quite bird feathers, but they would be visibly convincing enough. And it actually flies and moves the same way a bird does. If you're not looking closely at it, you would easily mistake this in flight for a bird. Like, I was surprised when I was watching it how it would do the lift, the turns and stuff, and it's very similar to what you would expect from a biological bird. If you weren't looking closely, like I said, I really think you might mistake it. But the thing is, this is still something in production. I looked up to see if I could buy one. No, you can't buy them yet. Or at mm-hmm. least I couldn't find a way to. But if you took that existing technology and elevated a bit, put more funding into it, there's nothing to there's nothing to say that you could not produce the legs. There's nothing to say you could not produce the articulation necessary. Um, when you're creating a synthetic creature, one of the hardest things are the eyes, and bird eyes are actually very easy to reproduce, mainly because they're small and we don't look at them in too great of detail. The plumage could be simulated, and it's big enough. It could carry simple recording devices, and you don't need a person to pilot it. It basically um, uses a uh, reading of the area, and it knows how to fly and how not to hit things. So I would say that it is possible for some birds to be drones. Beyond that, we've talked about on this channel before some of the crazy spy stuff people have tried, like the radio cats and yeah. things like that. Oh yeah, Project Acoustic Kitty. If you guys aren't, I, don't, I think we covered that it was in a patron section. But this isn't something that's too off far from that the government has tried to do in the past. It was in the 1960s. The CIA funded a project where they literally tried to sew radios into cats' ears and then release them to spy on people. But, but the had, cats mainly just ran to trap. Yeah, they, <laughs> they ended up dying shortly after they released them. For what they did, this one didn't work. But this is, but but wait, wait I, I'm going. Oh sorry. no, go ahead, keep going. So when it comes down to it, we know that it is effectively feasible to be done. We also know 
the motive exists and there is a willingness to engage <coughs> in things along these lines. I would say likely some birds might be drones. I don't think all of them are. I have, <laughs> I've gone duck, duck hunting when I was young. That did not look like a drone. I've seen dead birds plenty of times. They definitely did not look like drones. I definitely would say not all those birds are, are drones, but some of them, I'll give it a maybe, some of them could be drones. Those are just plants that the government puts there to keep up the lie. So that way that people don't that way that people don't feel weird whenever there's a bird spying on them nearby. We have a lot of lakes in our area and we get a lot of Canadian geese and you do occasionally see one splatted on the road. That's true. And they do not look like they're drones. That was probably one of the most disturbing things that I discovered about this conspiracy that they said that bird poop was a tracking mechanism like birds sh- like crap on our car in order for them to be able to track us because when was the last time that you saw bird crap just randomly on the ground i i go to the park every day I no see I, know, I know it's like all the time so it's yeah. like the, the, the government just makes birds that miss that much but when it comes <coughs> down to it i think that the idea that although i th- i think it's quite possible that some birds may be drones and that we could have the technology there is no way anyone would take the risk of producing a high amount of them because the odds of this being discovered, because when you're doing espionage, one of the biggest things is you don't want to be discovered, right? The odds of being discovered with this are way, way, way too high. I could see them possibly using it in very specific situations for very specific goals, but birds die all the time in a drone that's a bird is going to be fragile and easily damaged. Your likelihood of getting caught is just simply... Too high to be believed that this would be released on mass. Plus, obviously, some birds are real. Most birds are real, is what I'd say. Now, you might be asking yourself, then what am I eating every Thanksgiving? And what am I eating every time I go to KFC? Oh my god, I didn't but even do this part. But I've got an answer. I've got an answer. For, I've got an answer for you on this. So the government began exterminating birds supposedly in the early 1950s. Fun fact for our listeners out there: Question: Do you know when KFC was founded? September 24th. 1952. <laughs> so picture, if you will, the U.S. government is sitting around going, we have to exterminate all these birds, but we don't have any idea how we do it. Enter their answer. A famous Kentucky colonel in a white suit walks <laughs> up and goes, I have an answer for you. I'm starting up a little project called KFC. I'll handle your bird problems. And that's how they did it. So they're taking all the old bird meat and compressing it and... Making chicken out of it? Yeah, and that's what the K- that's what KFC was. KFC was their... K- I say KFC was how they really got rid of all the birds. Okay, it, I, was I, the, it was the colonel. I got an obvious question for you here. Okay, so if I'm riding along with this theory and for some reason am believing it, what is the purpose of a chicken farm? Why have those? We're obviously not going to eat them, and you don't need a thousand spies crammed in one barn. First of all... Corporations spy on their employees all the time. <laughs> I'm just, obviously, this is somebody who just, who just completely trusts their employer way too much. But I, myself, the pessimist that I am, would totally believe that chicken that 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 they would use uh, chicken farms to spy on some of their employees. So you need thousands and thousands of drone birds to spy on like the hundred workers in that facility. They're all they're all in on it. It's just it's just made up. There really there are, there are no KFC like farm birds. All farmers are just in on the whole plot. Let me let me ask you another hey, question. Farmers are heavily subsidized by the government. You never know. I'm just saying, you never know maybe the, maybe that they're in on it. What would be the point of a chicken drone? What would be the point of it? They they don't have a long range of travel. They don't have a good perspective for spying. I just don't see the purpose of having a chicken drone. You're not going to get much useful information. Uh, spying on professional athletes that chase chickens. I, okay, yes, Rocky did that. Yeah, like, there you go. In one scene, maybe two. But, like, do we really need to invest? I got to think about the how much funding this would cost. It would cost a huge amount of money. To cover that. Well, the government wastes money all the time. This would be huge. Like hey, We've talked numerous times about the time that the government... Who here thinks the government ever spends their money wisely? I, I probably sometimes. Statistically, it would have to happen every once in a while, even on accident. But probably generally no. And But still, this is like an incredibly unwise and insanely mm. expensive boondoggle. Like, think about the, think about like uh, some of the little issues. You need um, like a special fiber to make a functional bird wing. 
How much of that special fiber do you think exists in the world? And how much do you think we can produce in the course of what was it? 20 years they got rid of birds? 20 years. I don't think we could produce enough fiber to build the wings for that many birds. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know, man. When the government mobilizes, when the government mobilizes, when they choose to, they the the, the mass production that can come out of the United States is rather impressive. I it, think. It's, it I is, think it's quite. I think it's actually possible. Think about how many birds there are in the United States. How do you keep a mobilization of workers to produce that much, even if it is possible? The mobilization of workers would draw questions. People would notice this sudden shift. Oh no no no! I one hundred percent no no no! I'm I'm with you because here's what it is. Because they would just say, no, 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 you're, it's, you're just a conspiracy theorist who are believing that, like, you know, that, you know, government workers are going into the mountains to hollow them out and then building factories, and then you're just crazy. I don't know the science behind hollowing out a mountain, but I also feel like that's very, very difficult. I believe it's possible. We have some really advanced boring equipment, but it's... It would be it would be something people would notice. People would notice this going on. Well, people often attribute the hum... Or other types of loud booms, like sky boom sounds, yeah, to industrial equipment, and that's been going on for years. I mean, I guess maybe fair, but still, I just don't think. I, I think perhaps we we have hollowed out mountains for bases and stuff like that. In this theory, are all mountains hollow? Like all birds are drones, or is it some? I think just in the United States. Just oh wait, are there still birds in Canada? No, the government got them too. Okay, and like. Mexico I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, well, actually, the truthfully, the actual I'm conspiracy. I'm so mad that we're talking about this today. I know. Well, the conspiracy itself. Well, okay. I guess at the end of the day, we, I guess we just move on to the point that we need to understand is that the guy said that this conspiracy is not real, that it's a joke, that it's an inside, that it's an inside joke amongst everybody that, that believes in this conspiracy theory. Because Peter um, McKendo, he comes forward later to admit that the conspiracy that he created is not a real conspiracy, but what it is, is it's a response by his generation, Generation Z, as a way to deal with other conspiracies and misinformation that's out there. You know, because, you know, if you look on the, on the, on the, if you go online or whatever, all you hear all day long is people accusing each other of being involved in conspiracies, people accusing everybody of misinformation, and it's depressing. You know, and I think even Gen Zers specifically, you know, struggle with this in the news more than us millennials or I guess Vic technically is the end of Generation X, I guess. Uh, you know. I'm from the cool generation. You're in that weird gray area between a millennial and, gen- and, gen- and a Generation X. And uh, and it's been hard. So that's what they did was they created this conspiracy for a fun way for people to, for Gen Zers to come together, other people to, to, to just de-stress some sort of cathartic thing that they could do to deal with this and i mean a lot of people i mean there's more people that are in the birds aren't real conspiracy facebook group than the flat earthers you know really? so it's a bigger group bigger group oh that surprises me now to be fair the people that are in flat earth genuinely believe that the earth is generally believe that the earth is flat compared to people and the birds are real it's more fun you know I think some people do believe this conspiracy theory, especially back when Maybe. he was not out about oh, that's being true. fake. I, yeah. I believe like it picked up some following of real believers, which is I'm sure the people who are like, yes, some are probably drones. Yeah, that makes sense. That like I said, the motive and the means exist. But the people who believe that all of them are drones, like I saw some kind of crazy cockeyed people online that I'm pretty sure legitimately thought all birds were drones though. I, well, with any sort of conspiracy, you're probably going to have people that, that genuinely believe it. But I've, I mean, I've sat in the Facebook groups for both and I can, mm-hmm. I mean, and I, the people that are in the flat earth, honest to God, will sit around and they'll debate science all the time about yeah. whether or not about or pseudoscience or whatever that they want to put on there. The stuff in the, fl- the stuff in the birds are real Facebook group. I mean, it's it's got nothing but laugh emojis the entire time. I mean, it's mostly just generally people that are posing stuff to be funny. I mean, yeah, and I, that's why I, I think most people get the joke. I think most people understand that we're all we're all just having a lark here. Yeah. Did you get it? Because I said lark. Cause oh, because that's a bird. A bird. <laughs> Boo. Nope. Wrong one. Nope. It's. There we go. God, you don't know the buttons at all. They're far away from me. I can't <laughs> hit them. Um. But no, I don't think that's true. Do you, do you so I mean, I got, we got, we got some time that I really, that I wanted to answer this question. 
Do you think that it's healthy for that sort of a thing for people to, for, for to seeing this sort of response to conspiracy theories? Oh God. Well, the thing is, one of the things we've talked about many times on the channel, and I know me and Ricky Bruckman have talked about this a few times just in person. You have to be able to step away from certain aspects of the paranormal, things like conspiracy theories. Think about like how wrapped up me and you got when we were investigating the Tulpa thing. I feel pretty hard on that rabbit hole. If you don't step back and find your bearings and stabilize yourself in life, you start to go a little nuts. You start to have some strange thoughts. So in that sense, they're stepping back. They're making fun of it. They can find their joy in the situation. In that sense, I guess it can be healthy. But at the same time, you have to be careful with that form of thinking. Because at the same time, I believe some conspiracy theories are true. And... We know that many conspiracy theories have happened in the past, and as crazy as MK Ultra sounds, it's something that really happened, and we really don't know most of what they did. So you have to be aware that these things are real, but also stepping back and being able to find some bearing. If this is the means they have to do it, sure, fine, whatever. Eh. But I don't think that it's necessarily directly harmful just as a form of catharsis. I think there's other things that could be harmful about it, though. Mm. Well, I ha I have an issue when because what they do is when they say, "Oh, this conspiracy is misinformation." The problem is, is it's way too easy to just throw that word onto an idea, calling something a conspiracy theory. Because once you do that, you sort of just start delegitimizing that particular opinion, and that can be and that can be dangerous in a world in which, you know, I I think that it's a good thing for people to try to educate themselves on particularly what's going on around them. And I think that that, I think that's something that's helpful. Cause if you don't, then you just sort of start, then you just, you may ignore when certain things are going on. Like, you know, you brought up MK ultra. The one that I like to bring all the time is the green briar in the eighties. People are, are like, there's trucks of dirt being hauled away from the white house. They're making bunkers. And everybody said, you're a bunch of lunatics. You're a bunch of conspiracy theories. And now you could take tours. <laughs> like, and for years, nobody got that absolution. All the people that, for years, that got called, they got guys like you and me, probably, if we were doing this back in the 80s, that would be saying that, we would be called, no, nobody would be apologizing to us now. That's fair. For what happened. So I think you got to be careful when you throw that term for where, because most people don't remember where that term came from. And the term conspiracy theory comes from post-Kennedy's assassination as a way to just, delegitimize people that tried to blame stuff on the government. Yeah. You know, of saying there's some, there was some sort of like, you know, hidden sinister motive for, for the kit, for the Kennedy assassination. And now people just throw that term out there as a way to just delegitimize somebody's position. But I mean, look at it. We have them in existence and also conspiracy theories are probably more popular right now than they've ever been. Sure. You catch a lot true, of hell for true, believing true. I, them. I would agree with that. But a lot of people, believe in conspiracy theories on one way, shape, or form. I think some of them are a little goofy. I think some of them are serious. But the thing is, it's not like it's hurt the community. Like I said, you have to be aware of yourself and aware of what you're doing and be wary of real conspiracy theories. But here's my question for you then. Sure. Do you think that this would make the conspiracy theorist movement stronger or weaker? I think this would weaken the conspiracy theory movement because the, the birds aren't real conspiracy. Because again, one thing that we haven't that we, that we haven't brought up yet was how far, as they call themselves, the bird brigade have, have come. Okay, yeah, and I have problems with that part you know, too. For what they call themselves, because they've literally moved into the realm of political activism. Like one of the things that they did was Let me they throw one more thing out real quick. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But one of the things that might make it stronger is the fact that we have a way to be more cathartic about it. And you're going to have less people go down the rabbit hole. How many conspiracy theorists, like even famous conspiracy theorists ended up going flipping nuts over time? Oh, a lot of them. I mean, Alex, Alex Jones, but I mean, Alex Jones went bonkers and he's just, he fell, he's fallen off the deep end so far. I mean, he really has from, from where he started. If, if there's a way to keep us a little more grounded, it might strengthen us as a community because our most skilled individuals won't go nuts. Well, I don't, well, I think they've already kind of gone, I think even, it, it probably, as I would say it's even happened to this movement, because, you know, it was in September of 2021, like this last year, they literally protested in front of Twitter, like to get them to change oh, the logo. God, this thing. Yeah, where they're out there with bullhorns, 
burning flags of think of Twitter. They were, I can't remember specifically what was on the flags, but like, so they moved sort of into this realm of sort of political activism with that or, or mocking it in a way. And I don't think that's cathartic for anybody because, because first of all, I think when, when you, when you do stuff like that, you know, I, I think if it's, it's very easy for other people to sort of lump what you do in with another possible conspiracy theory that there may or may not be something real behind. Like I'll give you an example, Jeffrey Epstein. I, you know, ever since he literally, ever since he, he died in jail, not a single person that I've ever met has ever believed he genuinely killed himself. I've only ever met one. Yeah. So we're all sitting, we're all sitting around generally believe, Everybody believing the same conspiracy, like believes in that conspiracy and, and really nothing's come from it. Well, the thing is, what, what do you do with that information? I think that you, I think that you would use when it comes to conspiracy theories, you use political activism in a way to try to bring things to light. You know, um, I mean, I, I guess, I, I guess in a way we sort of, I mean, sort of with like what happened with his girlfriend, because now she's been convicted and she's going to jail. Um, she's going, she's going to prison for. It. But I think that there's other times in which you use political activism to try to find the truth to get people motivated to find out what's to, to get other people that are higher up in the in the system to sort of try to shed light on things. I think that's how you you do that sort of thing. Okay, I got another one for you, and it's related to what you're saying. Sure. And I know we're getting close on time here, yeah, well, but this is, ahead. I go think, ahead. an important one. We went we went 20 minutes in the beginning. We'll... Do you think there's a possibility that there's a deeper conspiracy hidden within this one? Oh. That this is a way to distract people, intelligent young youths, from snooping into it by directing their energy elsewhere. Basically, that political activism that you're talking about. Right. The March on Twitter was effectively a act of political activism in its own way, as in the sense that it would look very similar. It would require right. the same amount of energy but it was used for nothing except for catharsis. Do you think that this could be some sort of diversion sort of thing? Like, we know that uh, this is a tactic that has been used in the past, where you've co-opted parts of a community and tried to either make them make themselves look dumb or just simply to exhaust themselves on things that wouldn't be actively against your motives. I think... I think... I don't... I think that it could... I'm still on the fence because like you said, there, there, there are other, there are other groups that have, that have done this. Cause something that I, I, there's, there's examples of like the birds aren't real conspiracy people, the bird brigade showing up to other protests as a way to delegitimize a particular group, a particular viewpoint in that group. And I think that, I think that it could be done. And I think that I think that's dangerous to do, because then you, I I, I think that it, it it creates a way for people to shut off their brain about having an open mind and creating an open dialogue. And I think that that I think I think that can be dangerous by by doing that, because I, I I think that in a way what happens when you when you, when you when you do stuff like you just start chanting birds aren't real, and you start doing that, you start um, delegitimizing other people's real positions like if they show up at a march and i think that that is not a good idea because that's not how real communication like it's not going to be an effective communication so and i, and I think that can be sort of dangerous because you're preventing people from talking if you're getting wrapped up in that sort of movement and that that's fair you know you know if you're showing up literally to a place where the giant birds aren't a real sign you show up to a group of people is it really going to put you in a mindset to learn anything no, not really. Yeah, I mean, your mind's already pretty much going to be made up that you don't want to, that you've got a closed mind, even though you think you have an open mind. But that's my position. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like no, dance I'm, I'm carefully following. around what I'm doing, but I think that's the danger <laughs> of what could happen if you sort of create some of these mock movements, sort of. I, I think it does more harm than good. Do you want to go for some final thoughts, or do you want me to? Uh, you go ahead. You go for it. Okay. First, I want to say that this, if you don't take this conspiracy theory to an extreme, there's viability to it. I would, I would be extremely surprised to find out that no government is experimenting with hyper-realistic bird drones. <laughs> I would, I pretty much guarantee you governments are doing this. I, I would about guarantee you that America is doing this. Obviously not all birds are drones, duh. Duh. 
That's you go look at the world around you. It's kind of clear. <laughs> Think about you could prove this theory so easily, or di- sorry, disprove this theory so easily by going bird hunting like once. Obviously, it's nothing. As far as a form of catharsis, I think you have to be careful with it. But for the most part, I kind of get it. I wouldn't do it, but I kind of get it. I I don't think that the government would need to use drones. I think truthfully, we're at this we're at a, we're at a point in which we probably could just use real animals like we've used in the past to spy on people. Like, I don't know if you really have to go that far. Um, to be able to do it. Or, I mean, I don't think you'd have to, I don't think you'd have to exterminate all birds. You would just need one. <laughs> like you would just need one just hanging out somewhere. Um, and that would just be easy enough for, for the government to buy. And also truthfully, I think with most modern technology, I don't think, you know, with how integrated technology is in our day, daily life, I don't think that they would need, uh, a, a drone to be able to do it. I think they could probably put a spy camera literally just anywhere and we probably still wouldn't be able to see it. Um, so I don't think that that would, I don't think that that would be necessary as far as, do I think that the birds aren't real conspiracy movement? Do I think that it's cathartic for people? Uh, I'm going to go. No, I, 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 I think that, yeah, it can be funny, but I, I think that when you, when you organize and go that far, I think to the point where, you know, you're making such a large group and you're exposing people every day to it. I think what it does over time is I think it slowly erodes people from, accepting the possibility that there could be real conspiracies out there, you know, that there could be like, it it makes people not aware that something could be going on and it could even over a while desensitize somebody that when they discover one that they don't feel like they can do anything. Like we've gotten to this point so much where we're so powerless to do anything that we just, we just shouldn't do anything. And I think we're starting to see a couple examples of that where generally everybody believes that and we just choose to do nothing. Yep. So, I, so I, I think there's an inherent danger in the movement. Um, so that's kind of my final thoughts. Well, you guys, I mean, do you guys find the birds aren't real conspiracy? Do you think it's fun? What about when me and Vic have talked about? It? Do you think it's cathartic? Do you think it's a good stress reliever? Do you think that it's inherently dangerous? Do you think um, Do you think there's problems with it? What are if you, you guys find a bird drone, mail it to me. Please. Please. What are, your, what are some of your favorite conspiracies that are out there? Um, let us know in the comments below. Um, if you guys listen to this and you guys liked it, don't forget to leave us a like, leave us a review. Uh, that always helps us out. If you guys can leave us a review, um, that's a great way to support us. If you guys listening on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit that notification bell. And that way that you can stay up to date whenever we post new content. We want to thank you guys so much because we've had another right, you know, wrapping up of the year. We've had another record breaking yep. year for viewership. So we can't do that without you. So like we've always said, nobody loves our listeners more than us. You guys are the best. You guys are the best. You guys are better than everybody else. Just don't tell everybody <laughs> um, that we said that. No, I'm just kidding. Tell everybody. Um, you are the best. Never forget that. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, guys. We're going to slide into the Pillow Talk segment of the podcast. If you guys want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up for as little as a dollar a month. You get access to the rest of these podcast episodes as well as bonus episodes that we put up exclusively for our patrons. If you sign up for $2 more a month, you get access to our poll. We get to vote on the theme of the month. And it looks like for January, we're going to be talking about monsters and magic. Oh, man, I cannot wait to get into this. Now, we're finally going to talk about the Golem of Prague and some other things along those lines. How monsters and magic intertwine so much. And it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a fun month. So we're going to have some fun surprises for you guys, like always, like we did for this month. Um, and if you sign up to be any level of a patron, you get access to exclude to our patron discord. We have a lot of fun where we all get to hang on there. You get to hang out with me and Vic. We, you can ask us questions about the episode, the paranormal, and we just sit around also just have fun. So. I'm going to start getting on the voice channel sometime. So yes, that way we can all chat and stuff. I do better chatting than, you know, typing. One of the things that I think that we may do is we may, I think that'd be a good idea maybe for the coming month is to schedule like a, a meet and greet. Like Heck with the patrons, yeah. you know, where people can actually like sit around and listen to us and ask us questions and, and we can just sit around for a while. I know some other podcasts do that. So I think that would be a good idea for us to do that as well. Okay. So for the pillow talk segment, I thought that we, we could talk about a few more things. Like I think one of the things that I didn't get fully into that I wanted to in the episode was talking about how the production level, 
that this conspiracy has gotten to. Like how how much of an effort that Peter has put into creating the fantasy and the illusion of of there, this being a legitimate conspiracy. Like he has a famous video where he hires a guy to play a CIA agent to talk about his time working on this particular project. And buddy, it is nuts. Yeah, and we're gonna play it. We're gonna play it for you guys. So that way that you guys can listen to it and you guys can hear it and you guys can hear it. So it is just it's it's out. Yeah. And play, we're hitting play. Rolling. Well, Eugene, it was just a couple of weeks ago that we saw your name mm-hmm. in that article. Yeah. Uh, and now we're sitting across from each other. So thank you mm. so much for doing this. Sure. Thanks. Uh, I know we talked off camera some, but just for our viewers who don't know much about you, can you give us some uh, on your background? Well, I started off in the military for a few years uh, in California. And after I got out of the military, I was uh, doing security for the CIA. I was in D.C. in uh, 72. And then they moved me into domestic 